Yeah, go ahead. Welcome back to the Inebriated Debris. Coming to you live from the Peach State Bunker Studio once again. Here my man, Jerry. Yo. How you doing? Doing good, man. And our guest tonight is... Justin Brown. There we go. Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. Well, thanks for having so me. So Justin has brought really a gem of a nice bottle. It's Basil Hayden. Never go wrong. Real smooth. Nice stuff. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah no thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, as this this is, the we're gonna drink this over the course and, uh, of the next hour. That works. <laughs> <laughs> get it. We get a roll in there. That's oh yeah. Tapping the Rockies as well. Mm. Can't say no to a nice. Frosty uh, Coors Light. You know who the uh, new spokesperson is for uh, Coors Light? I do not. Lainey Wilson. I'm not upset with it. No. She's got that uh, CDL. Drive that dump truck around. <laughs> she, she, yeah. She's got a little... And a hell of a songwriter. Nice young lady. She's killing it, man. Um, and she's kind of like grungy country. Yeah. A little white trashy. Yeah. But not as bad as I, I. I don't know why I could not stand Gretchen Wilson. There's something about her voice and her singing like it just was like it just like yeah. Where Laney, I'm like, oh yeah. Justin, what kind of music you into? Uh, definitely not country. No, there we go. Yeah. I mean, not the newer stuff anyway. I like Johnny Cash, some of the older yeah. kind of stuff. But man, um, big in the old school like punk rock and death metal and all that stuff. Okay, so definitely. You got the beard of, to match that. A little bit, yeah. Hell of a mustache on that thing too. Thank yeah, you. that's solid, Thank dude. You. you got yeah, you got your got your little uh yeah, little quaff going there. Handlebars. I like that. Yeah, and it's trimmed too. I actually had to clean it all up last night. I was okay. getting a little um, Ted Kaczynski. Okay, so. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Tomorrow, beard trimmed up tonight. Yeah. Well, speaking of country music, we got to. Uh, we don't have anywhere to pour one now, but cheers to Toby Keith. Yeah, let's not pour it on the floor, but we will. We'll definitely take a little take a little drink here for for Mr. Mm. Keith, man. That's an absolute. Gotcha. Talk about country legends. That's one for sure. Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. We got both of those. <laughs> no red solo cups tonight, but you know we'll mm-hmm. make do. We will make do. You got fancy with the glasses. Ah, well, you know. Uh, Justin, I'll try to hide my white trash. What branch were you in? Army. Army. I was army man. Yeah, uh, I come from a long line of sailors so okay i had to kind of go my own way that and i have a whole issue you know even i'm from the beach and all that uh, just man worst case scenario in the army i don't have to worry about the ground coming out from beneath me and then sharks and all that shit so <laughs> you know what's funny i am not a water person like i i enjoy water stuff mm-hmm. but i'm not a water person and that was like yeah, there's I, a difference between a pool and a lake and then there's the yeah there's there, yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. uh but you know Found out quickly, even though, you know, Marines are amphibious, and I guess I was just an idiot missing that part of science class. <laughs> Get to boot camp, they're like, by the way, swim qual, like, hey, what? Excuse me? Yeah, you jumping off that swimming? Like, oh, fuck. I was like, there's a reason I didn't go to the Navy, okay? Right. Like, other than I'm straight, too. Like, I didn't. <laughs> no, just, just talking shit. Some SEALs out there going to, like, beat my ass. But, um, yeah, that's, dude, I don't know. The water, water was a factor. Yeah, for definitely. sure. Definitely. It's not so much the water, just what's in the water. Yeah, ex- mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. I'm going to be uh, be in Jamaica about this time next week. But the nice. water's clear down there, right? You can kind of yeah. see see what's coming. Yeah. You, sometimes that's even more terrifying. Because <laughs> like, yeah, you ain't out swimming. Give me a fighting chance you to ain't get out, away. You ain't out swimming a shark, that's for sure. Nah, but I ain't going too deep. Nah, Stay I... in the ankle, ankle water. Yep. Yeah, that's... Uh, it just makes me laugh thinking about the dumb shit we used to do in... In high school, I remember, oh, and obviously man. it's Panama City. I remember going to Panama City and doing night swims. 
<laughs> in the ocean. Oh, yeah. Shit-faced yeah. It at, like, 17 years old. And I'm like, God, I was a fucking idiot, dude. Like, I hope my kid doesn't do that. Like, just how easy, like, just he will. a rip current could have just doop, pulled someone out. Yeah. And, and if any of those genes from you passed along, he will. Yeah, he's in trouble. <laughs> he's in trouble. So, Justin, did you go in uh, fresh out of high school? Did you wait a couple of years? I waited a couple of years. I had to get the stupidity out before it was beat out of me. <laughs> but, same here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I got it out of high school in 02, and I enlisted in 05. Okay. So, but, you know, uh, a big part of it, aside from, you know, just being a dumb kid, was, you know, watching, sitting in my world history class, watching planes hit the, the towers and, New York. That was a big deciding factor. Yep. We were in mass media. Were we in the same class mm-hmm. that day? Yeah. Mass media, freshman year. Yeah, so he and I went to high school together, and I can vividly remember walking in the room, TV being on, I think it was CNN, and mm-hmm. just like, everybody sit down. This is what we're watching. Yep. I don't remember the girl's name, but um, I remember her, like, you know, I mean, we were all in shock, kind of like, holy shit, like, what's going on? Right. And then when you saw the second one hit, like, that was a whole other thing, you know, but a whole other experience of it, but... The one girl was freaking out because, like, she had um, was it an uncle, maybe an uncle or something that worked in the building, and she's sitting there watching the plane. And like, she had an uncle, and you know, doesn't know other anything other than like mm. he works at the World Trade Center in yeah. New York. And like, we're watching this shit happen, man. So that was kind of wild, man. Yeah, so many people. Um, so what'd you do in the army? Uh, behavioral health. So behavioral I went in. Health. Yeah, back when uh, medical was still the ninety-one series, and then it switched over to sixty-eight. I was a uh, sixty-eight X-ray. So behavioral health. So, psych. Here we go. Um, yeah. So, um, it's not something a lot of people think about for the military, is it? No, it wasn't anything that I'd thought about either. I was like, man, I just want to blow some shit up. But um, I went and took the ASVAB and actually scored really high because I've got that kind of like weapons grade autism. And um, my recruiter, I was literally his first recruit putting through. So, he wasn't experienced enough to lie to me like completely. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so he was like, basically, you can get whatever you want, and 68 X-ray, or it was 91 at the time, was a star MOS. So they're like, we need these guys bad, and you will love that because you could do anything. Like, you guys aren't going to want to talk to Doc if Doc's behind the wire. So if you want to run with armor, you can run with armor. You can go out with infantry. You can fly. You can do whatever you want, you know, in this role because you got to be there with the guys. And... By all means, this is not me trying to claim to be high speed or do yeah, it. You know, I'm basically inf- no, none of that shit. Uh, I'm very low speed, high drag. But um, <laughs> I just try to get out there and, and help folks. It was a good job because I got to do a lot of morale kind of stuff. Like when I was in Iraq, I was the guy that had stacks on stacks of phone cards because I was in contact with the USO. And oh, they you were, were everybody's me. friend. Everyone loved me, dude. I was the guy that was getting, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you all in a little while, uh, we got internet set up when there was no internet. I mean, wow. it, we, we pulled a lot of strings. We made a lot of stuff happen. We made a lot of people happy and um, a lot of people unhappy. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely a very interesting gig. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a big – guys always talk about, like, the little things, mm-hmm. right? You're the guy bringing the little things. Yes. Yes, and as somebody who just wants everyone to like them, that was like perfect for me on a personal level. Right. So, um, well, you're equipped with the right gear. <laughs> yeah, it helps with that mindset a little bit. Yeah, when you got the right tools, it's easy to just, you know, you you, you drive am, around. Everybody sees me coming on. You know, I had a, a gator that leaked gas like a motherfucker. So you could either smell me coming <laughs> or see me coming. And yeah, I just you know peeling off phone cards like I just had stacks of bills at the strip club. That's it. Everyone loved it. 
Um, but yeah, th- and then there's the whole, you know, actual dark side, which is helping people that are going through some yeah. horrible shit. And uh, believe it or not, all the fun that comes with deployment, being stateside was the worst part of it for me. Um, I more saw more people die and just bad sh- at home from the toll that it takes on people. Mm-hmm. And then that takes a huge toll on you trying to be there for people and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear about the numbers. Excuse me. You hear about the numbers and, and how often, you know, guys come back and they just can't quite get right. And, you know, what. So were you a resource for guys who had already discharged or anything like that? Or were you strictly <clears throat> in it, service? It was strictly in service. Um, because they, you know, obviously want the guys that are out to go see the VA or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they were. But, <clears throat> excuse me. So, stateside, after I left Bliss and went to Fort Stewart, um, I went medac. So, I wasn't in a field unit anymore. It was all, like, I was in a big hospital. It was about the size of Kennestone. Mm. Um, and I ran the inpatient psych ward at 24 years old as a new E5 my NCYC left about three months after I got there. So I took over. Wow. And then um, his NCYC actually left, and I ended up becoming the, at 24, I'm over inpatient services for a community-level hospital, and we're trying to open a traumatic brain injury clinic, plus patient care and all that other kind of stuff. So, And then, you know, on a personal side, I was newly married and just had a baby. So it was a lot all at once. Well, when you're 24, you can stay awake long enough to handle yeah. that. Yeah, not so much anymore. Uh, but Jeez. yeah, that's that's insane, man. Because I think about what I was doing at 24 in the military, and it was not that. Yeah, and I mean that sounds like I've got my shit together, and even I'm almost 40 now, and thinking back, that's what I was doing at that age. Yeah. Holy shit, you know? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a ton, man. <laughs> it's an interesting it's an interesting aspect to the to the service though because it's. Like you said, it's a field you're not thinking about. Now you were doing that as an enlisted, right? So that that yeah. was that wasn't a doctorate. Degree. No. Yeah. Okay. I, I basically operated as a psychologist. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't write meds, but yeah, it, it's a lot like uh, contracting. You, you know, out in the civilian world and construction or whatever. I don't have to have the license, but I just have to be underneath somebody who does. Gotcha. So it was the same thing, and that is also why I'm not in the field anymore because I eventually got medically retired. When I got out, I was like, well, I'll pursue this career. And they're like, you have none of the required schooling. I would have had to start from square one and go to school for eight years to continue what I had been doing for the past almost 10 years. Wow. Got to love the military, man. Yeah. I was a psych major briefly when I went to Kennesaw. Mm-hmm. I came home. And uh, let me tell you something. A lot of women in those classes. They were yeah. like, it was like four or five to one. Yep. So that was a good thing. Uh, but I got to the research portion of that where you've got to start writing papers and, and doing that stuff. And I was like, nah, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, they're, they're there trying to figure out how to get inside these men's heads. That's, that's you know. Well, I got it. Never mind. Hello. <laughs> Pass right that right down. on. Yeah, it's oh, good. In all honesty, most people get in the psych field to find out what's wrong with themselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I've taken a couple. We may have talked about it on here, man. I tell you, I've taken a couple, like, um, just like lower level, like psychology, basic like classic. Most people do, yeah. Um, so like learning the stuff between like you know between Freud and and um, um, Nietzsche. Oh God, who Nietzsche? Nietzsche, yeah. 
wasn't I wouldn't think of Nietzsche. Um, I got to imagine they're not teaching a lot of that no. in your training. No, it was yeah. You're not it, getting psychosexual and right <laughs> and all that shit. Like, it all comes back to your mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it was 21 weeks of basically um, just helping people process trauma and group therapy and debriefs and just stuff like that. Um, a lot of mm. command climate kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It's more of a very quick, fast, and dirty. It's a here's tactical you, solution. Here's how you keep people from suck starting a rifle long enough to get somewhere where Man. they can get the kind of help they need. I don't even know if we had that like billet or position in the Marine Corps. Probably not. We had chaplain, and then we had you know your, your chaplain assistant or mm-hmm. his bodyguard, essentially whatever they want to call that. Um, what do they call it? RP, religious protector. Um. If we ever had like did anything like that is that was that common like did people not even know that you were a resource by the time yeah. that they got to you yeah that was it was definitely um you you had a very small population within the military who actually knew we were a thing and it's typically because they were sent to us against their will really which, yeah obviously it you know does wonders people love being forced to go and talk about you their their deep dark shit that's just ruining their life um, but so you get to a point where enough people do know about us, but out of the people that do, you know, like I said, you got a handful of people that actually want to be there. Most people do not. So, right. Um, but as, as time went on and the military really started pushing to fight the 22 a day yep. and all that kind of stuff, that's it. Yeah. So how long do we, how long were you enlisted? I got out in 2012. So 10 years. No, I went in in 05, so oh. just under... Oh, right. You said you graduated high school in 02. Okay. Right. So, yeah, just about seven years. And that was a f- All right, so fast seven years. I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to start with the good news or the bad news? I honestly... You tell me, man. I'm down for whatever. Well, I want to hear, hear a success story. Success stories. And if you got a good funny one, I would love to hear that. <laughs> um, Private couldn't stop shitting his pants. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't call that a success story, but uh, like well, you got to find the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, well, that's like a last weekend kind of thing. Yeah, you know? I just send like, them to fucking dock, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, I can I can help you with all the shit you're going to get after this is over, but I can't help you uh, stop shitting. But that's, uh, that's a tampon out there in the field. Yeah, exactly. Good luck, amen. <laughs> Double stuff if you need it. <laughs> um, hmm. No, uh, success would be so. I, I was actually out in Arif John. Um which is an air base because I was in between travel. I have no idea where the fuck that is. Um, but I was out at Camp Arif John, and I was just waiting for a connecting flight. We had some time. We were there for a couple of days. So um, I got up. I went and got something to eat, and then I went to hit one of the port shitters out there. And they're all like – there were a handful that were open, but there was a big group of people around one of them, and they are all Japanese people. And – so, you know, I'm not thinking anything of it, but they're trying to get into one of these porta shitters. And the me being me and you know, they tell you don't don't volunteer for shit mm-hmm. and all that. I'm the idiot that always does. What's going on front. over here? Hey, what are we doing? You know, how can I get in on this? Uh, essentially, it was one of the Japanese soldiers was in the porta shitter and he was like, I'm not coming out alive. He was ready to oh, wow. just be done. So, 
through an interpreter and everything else, I'm trying to talk with this guy and everything and, you know, is basically get him to come out. And I'm like, whatever's going on, you know, just, just come out here so we can address it. You don't want to sit in the hot port of shitter and, and all that. And so long story, I ended up talking through things with the guy. He was just real scared and everything else. Didn't want to go into country. Uh, he knew some folks that didn't come home, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Had a long, good long talk with him, got him squared away. He goes off with the command. And so I've got actually a Japanese Air Force, whatever their Air Force is called, coin from their commander. Oh, that's thanking gotta be me awesome. for keeping one of their soldiers from. Oh, that's cool. That's a rare thing. thing. Yeah. That's really somebody cool. to have. So that's, that's, that's one, of the, one of the wins. That's, nice, that's a nice little challenge coin to have there. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Pull that out of the pocket. Right. No, that's cool, man. That's a really neat story. So, I mean, well, you have to do <laughs> yeah. it through an interpreter, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, so that's pretty, like, that's impressive. A lot more than Konnichiwa. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you ever, I mean, was there any kind of pre, like, was there any kind of pre, uh, did you ever talk with, get an opportunity to talk with guys before they went, to prepare them, to say, you know, get, was there any kind of program like that going on? There may have been, but it was never anything I was a part of. So when I went in, I was initially in the reserve because, I mean, you can't tell now because I'm much older, but I was, I come from a long line of tall, skinny people. I actually got in on a waiver because I was underweight. So when I enlisted, I actually had to go into the reserves and then re-up after six months to go active duty. So by the time I got to my first duty station, they were two months out from deployment. Oh, shit. So... I landed in Fort Bliss. I was there long enough to meet everybody and get a look at the terrain before I packed my shit. And we went to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, in February. Oh boy! Um, yeah, I'm from Florida. There was three feet of snow on the fucking ground, and then we're there for three weeks, and then we land in Saudi Arabia, and it's like 90 degrees. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, so if there's a program to talk to guys before they go or anything, kind of, I never got to be a part of it. Um. Now, there's still a lot of shit going on in Definitely. the world, and people, maybe, like, they got kids that are in, and, and you know, there's, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities mm-hmm. out there of little, world war three? Little, tend- little tender fires that could set off, and, and you know, it, what would you encourage somebody to think, I mean, there's deployments happening all the time, what, would you, what kind of mindset would you encourage for people who are getting set out, or what kind of things would you share with them? Uh, definitely, you know, as dark as it sounds, get your affairs in order, get everybody set up mm. to run their lives without you there because you're not going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to be in a position to accept hard truths. Um, life is going to go on while you're gone. It's not going to stop while you're gone and then pick up where you left off when you come back. So prepare yourself for that. Yep. And then have a support structure in place before you go because i mean that's that's the thing for everybody you've got letters coming in you can talk to somebody you know you've got people back home that are rooting for you and waiting for you that will get you through damn near anything what did you see as the biggest difference maker for guys when they were struggling and and i mean by the time they get to you i imagine somebody's pretty far down the road right if they were sent to me yeah um Especially when I was downrange, I went out looking for people. I tried to be proactive to keep people from getting to a point where they need to be brought back. Because you don't, I mean, you got enough shit to worry about. You don't want to be, you you have all this extraneous shit on your mind. And then start taking fire. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, completely lost what you had asked me. (laughs) 
something along Sorry. the lines of like, what was the oh, biggest difference the maker? Big, the biggest difference maker. Is, is it a call from home? Is it a letter? Is it a, is it just some like some damn phone cards, man? Yeah, some phone cards. And that support structure, getting to talk to him, send him a letter, get a letter from him, getting to put your hands on something that takes you, reminds you of what the real world is. Mm. Uh, that that was huge for a lot of guys and for me. Yeah. So I mean. I can't speak for everyone, but out of everything, that was the biggest thing. I've well, that, that was one of the big ones. Now, obviously, as you know, uh, technology grew. You had Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. If you got it, then you had you know email and stuff like that. But, you know, in the beginning and first couple of deployments, it was letters. And so, you know, sometimes you might get a letter every other day, every couple of days, maybe a mm-hmm. week. Then all of a sudden, like, for some reason, mail wasn't running, whether the damn I, you know, convoy got blown up or whatever it is. But all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like, you don't get shit. For two or three weeks, and you're like, God damn, man. Mm. Like, there ain't, you know, there ain't yeah. shit here, man. Like, that sucks. So it's nice. And I will say, like, look, even getting an email is good. There's something about like a handwritten letter. Something about a, obviously there's something about a care oh, package. Yeah. Like that was right. The care package was was the game changer. Like that was, you know, when the power bars and the the, you know, at that time the NO explode or whatever yep. freaking, you know, workout shit you were using, like came rolling in. Like that was nice. Like that was a game changer. But getting a letter. <laughs> You know, whether it's girlfriend, mom, dad, whatever, friends, whatever. Um, it, it just, you know, it blew any email out of the water kind of deal. You know, I remember I, my first one, I got a um, got a birthday card signed by, and, and not to mention, not only was it a birthday card, but it was, like, it was a fucking huge birthday card. Like, it was <laughs> like a foot and a half that someone like had, and had, and she had, like, all, all my boys, like, sign it. All, all the friends, like, like guys and girls all back home, like, that we knew, like, everybody signed it and sent it. So, like, this monster, like, so it was kind of cool. Like to get that, like, would you know, just everybody signing it, saying stuff on it. So, like, it's nice to have that, man. Like, it was a game changer. Yeah, and it definitely brings you back. All right, here's you were talking about a win, if you want yeah. to call this a win. Um, so we actually got adopted by a kindergarten class. Oh they, shit! They sent letters out and all that stuff, and they're yeah. like, "We want That's soldiers what, yeah. to be pen pals and all that kind of stuff." So you know, I'm like, "Shit, I don't, got, you know, I'm writing back to these kids," and they send me a care package. And, you know, it's got, like, socks and stuff, you know, all that normal kind of stuff. But they put a SpongeBob kite in the box, right? <laughs> and, you know, it was just the kids wanted to bring whatever and put it in the box and send it. So I got all these little handwritten notes and stuff and a couple of snacks and some socks and this kite. And I was like, fuck it. And went outside, put it together, was flying this kite. Hell yeah. In the middle of Iraq. <laughs> I was in a prison facility. There was the fob that I was on. Uh, or a tiff, not a fob, whatever. And um, just flying this fucking kite. And as I'm standing there, flying this kite, and I got guys coming back that are walking back from where the prisoners are because we had, like, a big no-man's land in between. They're coming back. They've been on shift all day, whatever. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Is that a kite? Yeah. You want to turn? No. Somebody else would, yeah. Yeah, I want to fly it. And then before you know it, like, Rotating shifts. That thing went in the air one time <laughs> and did not come down until the string broke. Damn. And it flew away. Like, and you want to talk about fucking devastation. Oh. Like, we flew this goddamn thing religiously. That's pretty And we awesome, even man. had a major come by that was all pissy and was like, man, you know, that's up there. They can see that and we'll start targeting us. It's like, dude, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Nobody gives a shit about us. Like, who lives in a pineapple above the <laughs> desert, right? Freaking all, hey, that's, that's officers being officers right there. Like, right. I've got to have the biggest dick in the room. Yeah. And, and that like, motherfucker hey. was flying it by the end of the day. I bet. So, exactly. Yeah. The yeah, little yeah, thing. He's, he's just yeah. saving face, you know? Exactly. That's all. He's like, I really, I really, really. It's like, all right, sir, that now that you got that out of the way, here, yeah. you can have a turn. But uh, yeah, yeah. We, we flew that goddamn thing until the string broke and it was gone. That's awesome, man. 
It's the little things, dude. Yeah. It's Shit you would never thing. think of. It. And But I want you to picture that. Just everything brown and then a bunch of guys in ACUs and full gear, rifles, flying a kite. And lined up, everybody's waiting for their turn. <laughs> That's it. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. We, somebody sent us a... Um, that same first one. Somebody sent us like a little mini Christmas tree. So it was mm-hmm. like I don't know, one of those like one and a half, two foot trees or something like that. So uh, we called it the Copa Max tree. So <laughs> we got yeah. It was well, they still do it now. But if you got dip over there from from like the Haji side, if it was Copenhagen, like it came in these plastic cans. So mm-hmm. one of the care packages is if you get people stateside to send you the logs or a couple logs of Copenhagen, like they had the metal the metal tins on them. So we're getting, you know, and that was when <clears throat> they had just started, uh, uh, just started coming out like they're like, like what was it, like smoked hickory and then like bourbon flavor or something like that, like hmm. um, Copenhagen. So we started getting those. Anyways, we would keep the, we'd keep the tin land or the tin, the top parts, punch, punch a hole in and put them in. So like, so this thing was hung with nothing but shiny Copenhagen <laughs> lids. And then we found, a, or like, yeah, we found a box of tampons. And so go. we opened the tampons. We dipped all the tampons in red Kool-Aid. So they're red. Bro. We let them completely open up. Funny enough, like, oh you know, because none of us really knew shit about it. Funny enough, when you let them open up and dry, they kind of look like a red bell. Huh. So because like, it kind of it flared out. So, so I got, dude, I got photos. Crimson like, I, bells. Yeah. So I got, a, I got a photo from like my first, first deployment. Like oh, of our, we called it our Copamax tree, dude. And it was just Copenhagen and tampons all over this thing, dude. Like it was... Fancy. And, and the best part about it was my uh, my staff NCO was was uh, my staff NCO was really really cool and he was I mean hell he was one dipping with me but it sat by it pretty much sat by his his desk so like nobody yeah. fucked with it yeah like nobody was gonna walk because like if I as a junior as a Lance Corporal right now like somebody could just be a dick and be like no oh, no you can't have it like what you know right well my staff NCO was fucking cool about it I was like you know I was like yo staff like well if we put these I was like do the Copenhagen lid. I was like, and then I was like, we'll find something else. And so, like, I dipped a tampon dry, and I was like, what do you think about that? And he's like, yeah. Looks pretty yep. good. Yep, send it. And so We're going to need more. No, we put them up there, and, like, nobody ever fucked with it, dude. And it, was, <laughs> and it was actually got more compliments than probably it should have. But, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was the little things. Like you said, yeah. that was our Christmas tree for, uh, for, what was that, 2007? It's, yep. Oh, so you're over in 07. Mm-hmm. I was in the, over there, uh, 07, 08. But, um, I was in, yeah, I was in Ramadi. Oh, shit, okay. So, so we were split. Half of my unit was up in Cropper, which was in Baghdad, and then I was down in Buko, which was in southern, in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, if you know where Umkasar is, uh, dude, I don't know. Not, I'm yet to yeah. meet somebody that knows where that is that was not there. there yeah, makes sense. But um, yeah, um, but yeah. So Buka was the the place they call it the birthplace of ISIS. Al Baghdadi was there, all that kind of shit. Oh so man, it was a fun place. Um, so Al Baghdadi, <laughs> Al Baghdadi. So you mentioned you were on died like a, a prison. Did you have interactions with the prisoners every day? Really? Yep. So part of you know as Geneva Convention and a part of our duty as medical assets is we had to provide care to the detainees, not prisoners, because it hadn't been to trial and the mm-hmm. um, ICRC, uh, International Committee of Red Cross, and. Um, CNN and General Petraeus and all them were out there all the time because I was there right after the Abu Ghraib scandal. And right. we actually got a lot of the detainees from Abu Ghraib afterwards. Really? Uh, when I got there, they had about, I, I mean, I don't know exact numbers, but there was less than 10,000 detainees when I was there. It may have even been less than five. And I was there during the surge. So after, when I was leaving, we had 
built, I don't know how many hasty compounds, and we were pushing 30,000 detainees when I left. Um, And we had to provide full medical care to all of them. So we had dental, we had imaging, we had, you know, full OR, um, we had an ICU. um, Shit, man. I mean, I would imagine that's, listen, not saying it's good. I'm sure they didn't like it, but it might be access to better medical care than they've ever had before. Oh, definitely. Um, we weren't supposed to, but we had a commander that was a, a really good guy, our hospital commander. Um, his big thing was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. One. his, his big thing was, um, taking care of locals. We had a small village that was close to us and they definitely had a lot of, uh, very treatable diseases that were not treated. Um, in Iraq, it's like you get, they have a medical city. So if you're the guy in your village you go to about stuff can't help you and the pharmacies out there are like in Mexico, you can just go in and buy whatever you want. Yeah. If nothing you buy off the shelf helps you, you go to medical city. And most people don't come back from medical city. So they don't like to. So there was a lot of really wow. treatable kind of shit. And, I mean, it wasn't something I really had to deal with, but it was – I got to see a lot of the locals come in and them get help. And that kind of helped justify us being there. Cause it's sure. like, why are we here babysitting, you know, yeah, terrorists? That's, that's wild. Uh, we had a small detention base. Well, I mean, I say relatively small considering, um, in Ramadi. And I don't know why, like I, dude, I got, so I, I discussed this, like when I got, when I got to Ramadi, I got put on, um, I got put on gate watch for like the first three, three months I was there. Mm-hmm. So I got pulled from my unit right away. Like, Put on that, but then I randomly I'd get to sign this stuff, and for some odd reason, I guess I don't know if they were rotating this shit around, but like we had to stand guard on one of the detention centers, like the small de- and like, and so I'm um, you know being one of the junior guys, like I got pulled to that too for a couple days, and that shit's fucking wild, dude, because like though they're following convention, like they don't necessarily treat them well. I'm sure yeah. they don't treat them. Awful, at least from what you know. At least someone like myself would get to see, even though I I got I got a pretty good idea. But I remember walking in that thing, and it was fucking insane, dude. Because it was like I mean, it was a wood built. It was like a, like a, a shack built up inside like these giant Hesco bears. But like they build these shacks up, just put these fucking walls in them, and they would use the Hesco, um, which is like this giant like like cross, like yeah. just kind of cross, almost like chicken wire or well, similar, you know, kind of deal, but. That was like that. They'd have this one screen to be able to see in, and then like um, big wooden doors. They'd lock these shit in, and like and essentially just like lay you know blankets or whatever on the ground. Dude, they all smell. It smelled like straight shit. <laughs> like it was human shit when you walked mm-hmm. in. The entire like it just bo and human shit is all it smelled like when you walked in there. Like it was disgusting. And I just I don't know, man. Like it was just you know, and they're just in there, and like you you know, and occasionally, depending on when you're there, like you'd hear somebody get. You know, questioned, you know, because they usually the question like right next door. So you hear some guys like going in on them, you know, kind of deal. But it's yeah. like, God, dog, dude, just, just fucking scumbags. So you had to be a psych evaluator for detainees. Yes. What? Oh man, there's so much to ask about that. So for one, you're going through a translator, <laughs> I yep. imagine. Yeah. Um. Now, do you have a two a, a true translator, or do you have like a third? What do they call them? Like a third national or uh, TCN, third country national. Third country, okay. So we had Iraqis, like from the area, yeah. that were helping us. Yeah. Um, I'll say the guy's his is the name he went by, um, but thankfully he's actually stateside now. 
um, we were able to get a bunch of the paperwork done and all that nice. stuff and get them, get them over here. Cause he was not safe. Um, but it cracked me the fuck up, man, because he was a little guy and he was older and he would wear ACUs and he had, went and got a little name tapes made. And cause he had the one that said linguist gave him his name that he went by was communist because if you said it together, communist linguist sounded like kind of lingus <laughs> and he thought that was fucking hilarious. That's funny. So, um, how did he learn English? I have no, no clue. idea until yeah. right now. I've never thought to ask. <laughs> so well, wild, they, they, dude, they've got school like in some of the bigger like so Baghdad mm-hmm. like obviously they they can get that education over there mm-hmm. like yeah. so there there's options like I wasn't out, in Baghdad out, out no no I'm, I'm saying yeah. like he may have like you know obviously made his way and then like so because I think that's he where heard our, about, he our heard about did the, the same thing I think the, he got learned in Baghdad he heard about the psych way out in the country so I gotta go find this guy <laughs> yeah be his main this, man this motherfucker's got phone cards I gotta <laughs> right. go yeah, I gotta go get this what was what was like the range of people I mean did you you have to sit down with people who are like dead set on like no nah, i just want to like were they still committed to i want to kill americans yeah so were, did you ever serve were you in i was in the air force for 83 okay. days which is a different 83 story days. okay uh, my discharge was neither honorable nor dishonorable it's a long story I i'll you. tell you about it later oh, okay good deal maybe over a glass of bourbon yeah there we go <clears throat> um it's going to be an episode here one day we're going to get to it we're going to get to the to the to the bottom of this thing i've explained it Best I can remember. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so in, in Islam, there's a lot of different sects, just like there's different avenues of Christianity, whatever religion, right? Yeah. So the more moderate guys, like the, the Sunnis, the Shias, and all that stuff, uh, most of them would talk to us because they thought, you know, hey, I talked to this guy, I can give him a sob story, and he can get me out of here. Um, the Jams, the Mahdi Army guys, the Takfiris, like the hardcore extremists, they wouldn't even fucking look at you. They wouldn't talk to you. Um, I think the most I got out of, and for me, the Takfiri were the the ones that just across the board were the worst, wanted nothing to do with us. And the most I got a guy who was Takfiri to say to me was, if you don't stop talking to me, I will kill you. All right, cool. Do it. And I don't have to be here talking to you anymore. Um, yeah, damn, it's, it's crazy The what really stood out to me though, was just, you have an idea of what people in the middle East look like. And then when you get out there and you see that there were guys out there that were whiter than me, Mm -hmm. there were dudes with, you know, red hair and Mm -hmm. all that stuff that it's like, what are you doing here? Like, it looked like you got picked up. You know, How'd you get here, bro? The the, the (laughs) shit that blew my mind that shouldn't have Irish because of, because of like, it's in Asia was. They were fucking like, as we say, Asian. They're like Chinese fucking Afghanis and Iraqis. Yeah. Like that's the part that like, it's like holy fuck, dude. Like, yeah, it, they're like they're like any other country. Like, but right. you just don't think about it because of where it's at. But I was like, bro, that dude's fucking Korean and he's over there speaking <laughs> Arabic and like because he is, you know, he may like I guess be Korean or whatever he is, but he's actually from there. Like, mm-hmm. parents live there. I don't know. You just That's the shit that right. blew my mind. I was like, holy fuck. So, was that a common thing? Like, uh, the guy, uh, say it again, the the ones who were... Takfari? Takfiri. Takfiri. Takfiri, yeah. Takfiri, w- was that more common, or did you find guys that were... Do you find more common that guys were more or less regular people? Yeah. More or less, because again, like I said, I was there during the surge. So basically, if you're a military age male in the area when some shit was going down, if you weren't running fast enough, you're getting scooped up. 
Yeah. So there is a very real possibility that there is a handful of guys there that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we we're pretty good at weeding them out. Mm-hmm. So again, there was numerous compounds and we had to separate everybody because if you put the wrong guy in the wrong compound or if this guy was Sunin, he's in a Shia compound or this Takfiri guy, um, recognizes this dude who came in who used to be in the Iraqi army and, you know, had a problem with him or something like they 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 were more brutal to each other than they ever were to us. Really? It, the we called them blanket babies. They would just throw guys on a blanket and drag them up to the fence and be like, "We don't know what happened." And like their eyes would be ripped out, Damn. fingers cut off, uh bones in their arms. We had this one guy, he was um uh, the story goes that he was like a sniper in Iraqi army and one of the guys that was more uh, or less moderate recognized him and the, the dude was apparently kind of infamous, whatever. It's cut both of his index fingers off and they broke his arms and they would snap little pieces off the concertina wire and pocket them. And they had cut this guy's arm open in many places and were pulling the bones out all while he was still alive. And then... When he finally bled out, they put him on a blanket and brought him up to us. And we're like, we don't know what happened. He went to sleep. And then we went to wake him up for chow. And he was like that. Oof. Yeah, that shit's what you, that's, they're animals, man. It, it, the other component that we saw, like, is that, I mean, you know, with plenty Iraqi, of animals in America, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, I mean, that's, it's just not just saying that, that people, but just the way that that shit goes down, man. War, it's war, war yeah. and that's yeah. wild, man. But, the uh, the thing with the Iraqi army and, and police, I, I, it seemed like even well, and in Afghan too, is that those people did what they had to do to survive. Mm-hmm. So if if the U.S. was dominant, then they were IAs and IPs. Yep. If 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 Al Qaeda or ISIS or whoever whatever insurgency was dominant in that area, they were with them. Like they they were very much Italy in, in the concept where like they would go to either side. <laughs> right. Whatever kept them alive the longest and, and kept them, you know, because they weren't Switzerland, they weren't out of it because they didn't really have an option. Like, you were right. kind of forced to be in the middle of it somewhere. Because one way or another, at, at some point, they're gonna, you're going to get pulled into it. Like, they, you're just not allowed. Like, not necessarily on our side as much, but, um, like, w- with us being there, if it was more, mil- like, like, U.S. dominant, then there were a lot of civilians that were just civilians. But they would get pulled, you know, like, in, and that's the part where, like, you just never knew. So, like, that dude might be a damn Iraqi police today, and in two months might be a damn insurgent. Yeah, we we dealt with that a lot actually. Uh, so we had Iraqi correctional officers, and we had Iraqi police that were on the base with us. They had their own little living area because mm-hmm. the plan was to get the prison running functionally enough, and then turn it over to the Iraqi people, and then we were going to leave. Um, the ICOs and the IPs they used to. I mean, you throw them 50 bucks, they'll tell you anything you want to know. So a lot of the guys, they found that out. They would start, hey, draw me a little map of what your living area looks like. Draw, You know, what a, where all the soldiers go down and sit. And, you know, they got trailers. And we had a little uh, – Camp Buka used to be an Iraqi air base. So there was still hangars. There's still some anti-aircraft guns and some bunkers and all that kind of stuff there left over from Desert Storm. Um They'd be like, yeah, you know, draw draw a little area. Where are they at in relation to this? You know, we had a, there was a basketball court there still. We'll tell us, you know, and these guys would draw maps and all that stuff because we had an Iranian artilleryman who got captured and escaped, and then a bunch of other guys that had gotten released because that was the other fun part with the Red Cross out there all the time. They wanted to make sure people weren't staying there too long, regardless. So people were getting let out all the time. 
and they weren't too happy about their stay, so they'd come back to let us know how they yep. felt about it, mm-hmm. uh, mainly with uh, mortars and RPGs and all that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, they would go to the ICOs. The, the guy that would have been guarding them the day before, and then they got out, and they'd be like, all right, man, here's 50 bucks. Draw me a map of what it looks like where you're at. And then they would, we would have much more accurate fire afterwards. So after, after a while, yeah, it was, it was a huge problem. Damn. It's wild, man. Money talks. It, yeah. And the power talks. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. All right. So it was a uh, lost war. Shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Doing some heavy stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what we're here for. But <laughs> I want to know about any of your boys. I want to know about any of the, uh, the names that we will, uh, omit to protect omit, the guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a, a good handful of boys. Man, I'm still talk to uh, uh, two of them. You know, a lot, one of the guys went SF. That was his dream, and he actually made it through selection and got picked up. And I haven't talked to him since. Really? Yeah. Um, like I said, that I'm nowhere near that high speed. He was actually a uh, OR tech. He was the guy that handed the surgeons the. Oh wow! When they asked, and he was like, "Dude, I don't want to do this shit." I want to be high speed. I'm going to blow shit up. And he went SF and he got picked up. Um, but yeah. Different breed, man. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, do you have any idea where he's at? No. Like, he's like, he's <laughs> off the radar kind like, of deal? Like, uh, so when I was in, it was, MySpace was just starting to die out and Facebook was picking up. Um, he made the jump to Facebook and I've tried, like, I've got him added from, like, the very beginning days of when I got on Facebook. And I've gone back to look to see if it's updated or if he's got anything else. And he's ghost. So either he's... CIA. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or something's happened and he's gone. But Damn. either... I I like to think, because of the, guy, the, the type of guy he is, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's out there giving somebody shit somewhere. Um, but, uh, no, nah, there's one guy, I mean, he's... I'm I'm trying to make a conscious effort not to not to name him, but dude is. More let's call than, him. Uh, let's call him Brian. Brian, yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound too douchey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's a great guy. Um, I don't. I wouldn't even call him best friend. He's family. It, he held my daughter shortly after she was born. Comes to the house whenever you know. He lives up north now, but we still talk all the damn time and play. I don't know if you guys game at all. Um, have you y'all? Video game at all? I got I got sucked into Destiny for years, yeah. and and I don't play I don't do it the way I used to. But yeah, I, mean, I played Call of Duty, and then um, COD. You gotta check out Hell Let Loose. Okay, it's a damn good game. It's a PTSD simulator. It's fun. Like, <laughs> okay, it, it's <laughs> and this is coming from somebody with a psych back. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's it's cool because you can be talking to people right around you, and some artillery will come in and wipe them out, and you might survive. Ooh. And yeah, like it's interesting. It's so you know how Battlefield's more re- realistic, yeah. doing air quotes here, uh, compared to Call of Duty? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Hell at Loose would be to Battlefield what Battlefield is to Call of Duty. Oh, okay. shit, okay. If, if you get the progression, yeah. Um, now, but, is it strictly just like, is it a giant like uh, multiplayer game? It's World War II. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's got like 20. Oh, it's World War II based? Yes. Oh, that's dope. So it's all iron sights unless you're a, a sniper. That's freaking dope. Um, the whole set up it's I will, i'll start running my mouth too long about it but it's a great game and so i went over it with uh brian and he didn't have a system that could run it and he, so just went out the next day and bought a brand new xbox so he could play the shit with me um i've recruited a bunch of people from work and stuff too we, we just sit and play the shit but yeah 
I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, the dude literally would have died for me to keep me alive, to send me home, and vice versa. And I know that y'all know what that's like. Yeah. But it's hard to actually explain that you would give your life for somebody without thought. Sure. Without emotion, what you know, kind of thing. And when you know that another person's on that same level with you, for you, it's it's different. Yeah, game from your perspective, do you think there's some sort of psychological benefit to like virtually reliving that stuff? I mean, obviously, yeah. Iraq is different from World War II, right? But being in those situations, and all right, so I'm I'm looking at a screen. I'm not exactly actually experiencing this, but it like it 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 reminds you of those things. Yeah, that, that kind of their benefit there. It could, because um, you're getting the positivity of that connection and you know all those positive emotions and everything that come from that but mm -hmm. you're not in any obvious obviously real danger aside from maybe you know a deep vein thrombosis from sitting on your ass for too long or something i hear you yeah um but no what i want to know about are the uh the the weekend war stories right the the boys in the club something goes wrong <laughs> talk to the wrong lady you wake up, you Eiffel, the right your Eiffel Tower nerd, like you, you don't, you know, that kind of thing. You don't want to tell anybody, but you know you You're tell everybody. You're a married everybody. man with children. I'm not asking yeah. you to incriminate yourself. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. But Just you don't know have about to. what your friends did. What your yeah. friends, yeah. Oh, Air quotes. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I mean, dude, when I first got to Bliss, like I drove from. Jacksonville Beach to Fort Bliss, which is El Paso, Texas. That was 22 hours of driving. Mm. So I get there. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I park. You know, this is after because I had that to, to tell you because this is, what, 2006. I had to print directions from Florida yeah. to El Paso off no MapQuest. Ways. Right? No ways. No okay. ways. Right? You know, there was MapQuest, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it did not take me to Fort Bliss. And being out in the middle of Texas in the middle of the night and having no idea where I'm at was not good. Anyways, the stars are bright. <laughs> <laughs> but I finally get there. I make it on post, and then I get directed to where the uh, company building and the, you know, um, why my, uh, my brain's just going dead right now. Uh, CQ. Yeah. I'm just trying to get to the barracks report to CQ and let them know I'm there and get a room so I can go to sleep. I pull up, I park, I get out, I start walking in. There's two Joes standing outside. One of them is my buddy who went SF. And another one, the other guy this was... Is the first a, time you met him? Yes. Nice. The other guy, um, we'll call him Ben. Ben's standing outside. They have a case of Corona, and they're already, like, completely shit-faced drunk, right? <laughs> and they're just... It's like two gorillas trying to figure out how to get into this box of Corona. That's how drunk they are. They finally get in. They're getting the bottles out and everything. And then Ben realizes they don't have a bottle opener. And, like, I'm seeing all this in real time. I'm literally just walking inside. It's not like I stopped to hang out or any of that stuff. They finally get it open, pull a bottle. And dude's like, I don't have a fucking bottle opener. And smashes the neck off the bottle. Oh, hell yeah. On the handrail. And before, uh, you know, my SF buddy can... Stop him. He just starts chugging. It's like, <laughs> no care if there's broken. So I'm like, this is what I'm walking into. Yes. This is. Yes. Yeah. So, 
without without getting too far into it, there you you can imagine the kind of shit that went down with a person like that. Fair enough. <clears throat> hey, shout out Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. wherever you are, man. And uh, I think he was a big Louisiana fan, so I hope they're doing well. Oh, I know somebody else that Is has the same fan? affliction. I think so. Oh, go Tigers. Oh, fucking tiger. The senior boy might be doing some interviews. Who's that? Uh, is it Chip Kelly or Brian Kelly? Oh, Brian. I always, go, I always get those fucking things confused. B before C, just remember that. Uh, if you say so. There we go. Um, Man, any other, like, really good stories from either times of you being deployed or, or guys that, like, you want to share? Um, yeah. As as you can imagine, especially being your your job is to see people in their darkest yeah times and try to get them not even get them out of it, but try to show them there is a way out, mm-hmm. right? Um, it takes a big toll, and it's I'm not in any way trying to compare it to what you know infantry guys go through, kicking doors in all day long, and you just. It, the high speed shit that you hear about. Yep. But just the, for me, there's physical the gu- bullets and there's mental bullets. Right. That there is. For me, the kind of person I am and all that stuff, and I'm a fairly compassionate person. You know, I, I try to, I, I like to see people do well. Um, but when, when it's that dark for that long, you, uh, you kind of resort to some really dark shit to try to, you know, dark humor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, like I said, uh, my, my buddy who was, uh, an OR tech. <clears throat> so I would come out of our office in the in the hospital, and I'd just go make rounds and talk to everybody within the hospital before I had to go out and see all the prisoners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, that's a, uh, that's a mindset shift on its a, own. I can I can expand on that a little bit. That'll give you just how fucking crazy that is. Yeah. But um, you go from the heroes to the enemy. Sometimes in one heartbeat, and sometimes they're in the same room. Um, so, but yeah, so I'd done my, I was doing my rounds. I was going actually going back to my office to start grabbing my charts and all that shit, so I could, you know, get my paperwork ready and go out into the into the prison. And um, I hear my buddy, you know, just go, "Hey, Brown!" And I turn around real quick, and before I can fully turn around, I just feel something like right in my ass, like right, and I'm like, what in the fuck, and I look down, and there's a foot, just a foot, a severed foot, oh shit, um, in a bag, but still, uh, <laughs> he was an OR tech, and a part of his job, after they, you know, if they had to amputate something, they would bag it, and take it out for disposal, we had a big burn pit, and then eventually got an incinerator, so, you know, everything went out to get right. burned, while he was on his way out to put it in, the, we had a reefer outside for them to put that kind of shit in. And uh, then they would all go when he got to a certain amount and get burned. And he was on his way out to do that. I was on my way back to my office. He saw the opportunity and took it. And so <laughs> I can honestly say I've been kicked in the ass by, by, by a severed foot. By one legged man. Foot. Yeah. Um, you know, just that kind of shit. And my, my OIC forced me to take a four day pass. I went to Cutter. Because he sent me out to talk to a guy that was a lot of these guys would have refused to go in the compounds. They wouldn't. I mean, that's another thing I can I can expand on. But anyways, they would do everything they could to keep from going in there. 
especially if they knew there's people in there they didn't want to be around or if they're going to the wrong compound if they're sunni and they're going to a shia compound that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so they had boxes out front looked like an outhouse that they would put these guys in for holding or for punishment or whatever so they put the guy in the box and it, i mean we called it a box it's literally looked like a big outhouse um i, I don't want to set off any you know geneva red flags and any of that shit. It's a long time ago, man. Yeah. But, um, so they obviously, for somebody who's in the box, they'd had to have so many guards out there watching the guy, uh, to make sure he didn't get out. They go to get him out once they see me coming up because they know they got to put him in. It looked like a dugout with chain link fence so I could go and sit and, uh, just see what's going on. Well, as soon as one of the guys, you've got a guy with a taser and then the guy that comes just pulls the door open mm-hmm. so he can come out and then he's shackled but he's free so they open and as soon as he opens doesn't get it open all the way the guy just barrels out and like i said there's a guard there with a big fucking taser just ready to go and as soon as he barrels out the guy pops the taser one of the prongs hit him square in the chest and the other one hit him dead in the face oh. like right eyebrow level and so you know he comes out i stop and i see this happen and if you can imagine, like I don't, I don't know the exact voltage, but it's like what 15,000 volts, something like that, it's in the taser. So it's enough going through somebody's face. Try to imagine what kind of facial expression somebody makes yep. getting tased in the fucking face. And uh, I have to shit and, and, right and, now. And, and when it's and when it's shot, that thing's on like a five or six second run too. Like they can't control it, if I'm not mistaken. No, like, yeah. So when it's, it's shot, like it rolls. Like they don't, they can't release it. Like it rolls for five, six, ten, whatever the, the second is. Like buys it goes. you a very small amount of time. Yeah, right. So it hit him, and he locks up, and then goes face first down. Sorry, I'm hitting this. You're good. Um, it's all good, man. Dude, and I, I almost pissed myself. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> So, of course, you know, after all this, they have to take him. He's got to get checked out and all this stuff. I can't talk to the guy. And he was the last guy. So I'm going back because I have to staff with the doc. Got to let him know what's going on so he can come up with a treatment plan. Or if I have something, I think I let him know. And he tells me yay or nay. and We move on. So I'm going through him, staffing all my cases. And then it gets the last one. And I remembered. And I start cracking up laughing again. And he's like, well, what's so funny? And I'm trying to explain what I just explained to you. And I can't because i can't stop laughing and all he's getting is snippets of tased in the fucking face and yeah so he was like you you definitely need some time out of here well that's what i was going to ask is like you had so much of this dumped on you right right and and that's what you're there for that's that's your gig like what apparatus or infrastructure was there for you the other guys that did my job so we had two other behavioral health specialists um then my oic and like a panel of docs that were rotating Mm -hmm. and so when we had shit going on like my my oic he was a major he was a captain when we first started he's a major he um phenomenal human being and definitely can credit him with keeping a lot of people myself included from just ending shit just keeping people alive he's a good guy um but yeah that's that's what it was is we he would check in with us to see how we were doing yeah and make sure we were all and i mean he's a, a board certified psychiatrist and went to airborne school because he thought it'd be cool to get the little pin 
and all that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, he's just just a wild guy. But um, yeah, that that was our support. So you had you had that though. Yeah, that's yes. I mean, that's good to know. It, I, it, it was definitely necessary because after so long, that stuff piles up, man. But For sure, that it does, man. God, being tased, and I, all I'm thinking of is, is what is it, Rob, uh, Rob Riggle in the face? Yes, I was trying to. Re- oh, it was the Hangover. That's yeah. what it was. In the face. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah that's fucking. Yeah, you saw what? that from a little different perspective. <laughs> I mean, that's something you'd pay good money to to fucking see right there. I don't know. Anyways, I'm I'm sure it's wrong to be as. What do you do now? Do you have it? Like, does what you do now have any connection? Uh, I mean, yeah, when I was in the Army doing psych, I worked with some people who were psychotic, and I work in construction now, and I definitely work with some people <laughs> who are psychotic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a site superintendent, so. Okay. I, I just, I'm the guy that stands there and points at stuff, and then the other guys go and do the work. And then when they're done and they leave, and the people come and thank me for doing an awesome job. Hell yeah. yeah. That's a gig Congratulations. right there. You can't be man. mad at that. That's a that's job a, well that's done. That's a gig right I there. I totally dude. don't deserve this job, but, it, you know, it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's solid. That's a that's a solid move. I like that. A little point, little, little point and push and get some credit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's fucking America, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's fucking America if I've ever seen it, man. <laughs> um, man, you've shared a lot, and I, I, I appreciate it, Justin. Um I'm just scratching the surface, brother. That's what I. That's what I want. Like, tell me, tell me a story. Like, give me an experience, whether overseas or back home, that blow is, some blow some pants off if you is, want. Is is mm. gonna feel, tell? Feel free to offend somebody. <laughs> nah, feel free to offend somebody, but feel free to make somebody feel good too. Which, yeah, either way, fitting is funnier though. But, um. You have to give me a, a second on that one. Yeah, you're huh? good. You're good. You go. You you pause for a second. Right. I did want to bring this up because we had we we skipped right over this that Mr. Uh, Mr. TC Mr. Tucker Carlson's having his uh oh his yeah Vladdy Vlad Putin, yeah Vlad, uh, the, the Vladimir uh, Putin. So I anytime something like this drops, there's a lot of headlines, and I go and I'm saying, all right, well, let me see the source material. Let me let me see what was actually said before it got filtered through. Everybody else's headlines and their filters and all that. And so he sat down, and I've only listened to an hour. This is Tucker Carlson with Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin. And it's like a two-hour thing. Yep. Uh, the first 45 minutes or so is just Vladimir Putin talking about the history of Russia. And it goes all the way back to, like, the year 684, or something like that. Yeah. And he's just setting up his, like, okay, Ukraine was originally Russian land, and so this is why we're going back. And I, I wasn't able to finish it before we recorded because it dropped today. But the vitriol for Tucker Carlson oh, being willing to, like, talk to this man is... Um, I mean, it, it, he's, he's just... Giving him an opportunity to say his piece, right? We can criticize he's, his he's piece. He's practicing the First Amendment. He's doing journalism, and and who was? I I think I watched a video that they said that Ukraine has officially put them on their. Uh, it's 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 essentially a hit list or a kill list. It's not 
Oh yeah, exactly it's, a kill list. But it's like yeah, these, there's people in America saying Tucker Carlson should be arrested. It's threats to America or threats to, right. to Ukraine type type list. And so if something happens to him, then so be it kind of deal. Um, I don't know. It, it is what. But the fact is, all all this goes to say is that if all you did was interview somebody, and you and he opened, you saw. Um, couple days ago and you know dude my wife is way more up to date and into this stuff than than i am which is it's just kind of funny but <laughs> she sent me the video like uh of him kind of doing like the, the the i guess the prelude to it saying like yeah. hey we, we sat down you know nope. we sat down with vladimir putin like we we flew out on our own dime we didn't we didn't take money from anybody do this that da, da, da. like we just did out and i said and all we wanted he's like we are not. We aren't agreeing with what he's saying. We aren't agreeing with the war. We aren't. He's like, but well, we want to know what is going on. Why is going on? Have both sides. He's like, we've gotten all these stories from Ukraine. He's like, and by Ukraine, I mean Zelensky. That's all. And all he right. ever does is get on there and say that he needs more money and more U.S. troops right. and aids and backing or whatever. He's like, but nobody has the other side. He's like, so that's what we want to get. And uh, they said that, I didn't know this. The first time they tried to do it, apparently their phones were tapped by the by the government. And, mm. and and he said, I think he said the Biden administration, and they stopped them from going. He said this time they attempted, you know, they attempted again. Like they they were monitoring and checking, like I guess their phones and stuff, and they still just did it. Uh, went over there and came back, but he said it's all paid. Really, he's like, but all we want, we just want to know, we want to know what's going. on. He's like, we don't want you to take sides on either one of these things, but we want to know what's going on. And and as journalist goes have a left and right side of it, have both sides and right. know why why this is happening because that's tax dollars that are going over there. Well, So let's yeah. see. What, what I gathered just from the preliminary of it is Vladimir Putin is taking a much longer look at history than certainly the average American, but even the American government because he's looking back when we measured um, centuries, not millennia, right? He's looking at, so uh, he started the conversation with the year 670 or 684 or whatever it was. And I thought I overexplained to set <laughs> up a story. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and credits Tucker. He interrupted him a few times. Like, what does this have to do with, with like, why? This guy's been president of Russia for 24 years. He got yeah. in there in 20 or 2000. And I, I didn't necessarily realize that. Before I started watching it, I guess I I could have maybe guessed around there, but I had no idea. Um, but uh, they and by the time we started this, it was kind of around about the time when he get, got to the point. There's a lot of countries though around the world that are a lot older than America. Wait, America's might be the youngest country. No. No, there's there's plenty of countries that have been, I mean, how, I mean, squandered up and it's, they're all going to be on this Western Hemisphere. Listen, we are they're all going to be on the, the world Western power because the, we're the world power. Now, right? are they are they a, a are they a, a younger country because they're just being recognized? Because when you look at the, I mean, even if you look at America, I mean, there are Native Americans here far before us. Same thing when you get sure, into Central right. and South America and you start talking about. You know, Incas and Mayans and yeah. whatever other other tribes were there. Like, it's like if just, you if you just cut because out, it's not like white or, or European based, whether that's Latin or whatever, French or whatever's well, brought country, into it. Like, I think if it, if it you was cut out the, the area was there. Yeah, I think if you cut out the like the countries that were formed after you know the USSR disbanded, and, yes. or you know, like Czechoslovakia is now the Czech Republic and 
Right. But in the in the grand scheme of America, I mean, America's a two. What we're two hundred and forty eight years old. Just looking at this, um, the concept is that what I do on a daily basis is talk to financial advisors about retiring. The the concept of retirement in general has only been around since eighteen seventy five. That was American Express from the Force Pension, and uh, that was here. So, congratulate! Like we did that. <laughs> Let's go sit on our ass and enjoy a, a few good years before you go. Um, but the the idea, uh, yeah, we're a young country. We are a very young country. Um, but people are people are calling for Tucker Carlson's head on this shit. Yeah, people are saying they don't even want him coming back to the country. You've got, uh, but why? And that and that raises the question. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing before. Is that like you know? <laughs> with, with all the people that generate, you can almost put the, put everybody in a damn box, even though you know you kind of shouldn't. The same ones are saying that are the same ones that are telling you that you need to believe in what someone's gender and identity is. But as soon as you say no, like by like scientifically, there are two sexes. Hang on, they're a like you need to be squandered. You know what I mean? So it all hold up. Did you ever <laughs> run into that back then? Like this is twenty years ago, fifteen right. years ago. Right? Did you run into that? No, no. There was. There was none of that. Uh, the the closest there was a time. I've got a dick in front of my vagina, and I don't know why it's here. <laughs> and I'm in this country, and what is happening to me? Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, that's, that sir, shows that's above my pay look, when you got, when you got yeah. real problems, the real problems matter. Right, right. But yeah, there is there is none of that. But as far as Tucker Carlson and and you know Vladimir Putin and all that kind of stuff that. All he did was he went and talked to the guy. Yep. He didn't come back and say, now, all right, guys, now hear me out. You know, he's a good guy. He's just monitored. He didn't do any of that shit. He just went and talked to him to hear his side. Not trying now, to convert us into into the, the Soviet, you know, right. bias. And but he, it's obviously on a much grander scale, and I'm not trying to put myself into that. But, okay, if you hate Russia and you see Putin as a leader of the enemy, he's the enemy. This guy went and talked to the enemy. That's what the army fucking paid me to do the whole time I was in Iraq was talk to the enemy. So, it's it's the old it's the old saying: what's good for the goose is good for the gander, but it's not always good for him when it doesn't meet the freaking narrative that this, that that the fucking exactly. goose wants. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because so, how are they going to keep like the shit that they just did, where they're trying to pass a bill that would fund border control? On top of money that they want, they want to send like what sixty billion to yeah. Ukraine. That's it's conflating two different oh, they're, things. They're, That's what people. Oh, people what hate it, that. What it, so, I, dude, I'm telling you, the country's getting into a wild aspect because you've got a ton of people right now that were, uh, they're not conservative by nature, but some of their eyes are opening up with some of this immigration stuff. Mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith being one of them that just came out to say because I think there was also a bill being passed that like. They want to maybe I don't know if it was like fifty three million or fifty three billion that they want to give to illegal immigrants to give them like essentially funding these people coming in. He's like, hang on. He's like, you got New York in New York. He's like, you got so it must be millions. I think he's like, yeah, you got New Yorkers that are Americans that are born here that are from here that don't have shit. Yep. And you're wanting to and you're passing a bill and essentially making money to give people that aren't from here that are illegally here to give them money. But people that are here, you aren't doing anything to help them. Right. He's like, and then at the same time, passing a bill 
to give Ukraine billions. He's like, right. I'm all behind. He, and he, shocking, he's like, I'm all behind, you know, supporting, um, you know, supporting Israel, uh, you know, in, in, in this Palestine thing and, and, you know, with Hamas and blah, blah, blah. He's like, right. and trying to find a way to defuse this and blah, whatever. He's like, he's like, but you're giving billions here and you're willing to give millions on this side to people that aren't even U.S. citizens. And that's the, the, that's the switch you're seeing because now you're getting to the point of whatever's going on, they may not care who the person is that's fixing it. They just want it fixed. Right. So if that's, if that's the big, mean orange man and it gets gassed mm-hmm. down to $2 or under and it gets you know money being spent here and not there and protecting our, our, our borders, and so, like, then that might just be where that has to go because right. what's happened over the last three years has been an absolute travesty. Well, and people are waking the fuck up. They come out of pocket. During a global pandemic, six hundred bucks to each American, and you know, unless you got kids, blah 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 blah. But you get six hundred bucks, six hundred dollars after they shut everything down. You have got twelve. I don't know what you're talking about. No, <laughs> well, that's why I said you know you got kids, you got this, you get a little extra. Uh, they did that twice, right? Oh yeah. Well, and then they and then it would see and what they didn't tell people. This is the other thing. Just to add on to that, is that they. They were saying, "Hey, we're giving you this money." What they didn't tell you is that that comes on that comes off the back end of taxes, though. Right. So that is pulled from your refund. So we are giving you an interest free loan, a loan on the interest free loan, or you or, given or, us. or you can call it it's just an advance, right? Well, however you want to word it, this is your money already. Mm-hmm. You're just getting it in in April or or May or whenever that was, right? Compared to getting it next. January, February, March. We're letting you keep a little bit of it now. Yep. Unless you owe on your taxes, and then, then you're gonna have to pay. Then you gotta pay. pay it back. Yeah, pay or pay it back. But then they go and they're giving millions to illegal immigrants. They're giving billions to the Ukrainians, dude. That bill that was supposed to fund border control as well as some other things, they said ah they couldn't pass it, so fuck it, get rid of the border control shit. And now we're instead of sixty billion, we're sending ninety eight billion to Ukraine. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Go home. And that's the war. You do not hear about headlines every day about Ukraine. You, right. you don't even hear about it at all. Right. You may hear a little. How much money did Donald Trump say he needed to build that, that wall? Wasn't it $6 billion or something like that? Yes. Do you know how much money it would, it would cost? $6 billion. Do you know how much money it would cost to um, cover everyone that is homeless having somewhere to sleep? They said something like forty billion. They just sent that over to Ukraine twice, uh, actually uh, several times. Twice now. over. That's just in this payment. That's not the other ones. My thing. So I'm Chapter sixty one. I got medically retired, and I've Chapter sixty one. You fall into this. You didn't serve twenty years, but you're over a certain disability percentage. So we're putting you out like you did twenty years, and depending if your disability is higher, you get that. If your retirement that you would get from the Army was higher, you would get that. But you can't get both. So for me, I was in seven years. I'm not sweating it. But for guys that were in for 19 years Mm -hmm. and then got blown the fuck up, and they're like, well, you didn't serve 20 years. You're not entitled to a retirement check. Or the guys that did serve 20 years, but they don't have a high enough disability percentage, they say you are not broken enough to deserve the money for your disabilities on top of your retirement check so they're pushing to try to pass the major richard star act which would get rid of that offset because that's it's fucked up 
you can't send somebody to fight and die for your country. They get injured to the point they have to end their career early and then not compensate them for their injuries and the fact that they lost a career. Anyways, to cover, I don't know if it's for a year or if it's for 10 years, but to cover the offset for the sum, like what, 60,000 people that fall into that category is something, it's less than $10 billion. And I want to say that's for 10 years. Mm. And they literally everyone in Congress supports this and backs it. They will not vote on it. They won't get it on the floor for some reason. And they're not pushing to pass it because they don't know where they're going to get the money from. See, I just I just saw another thing last year that was talking something similar about the VA benefits, and somebody proposed a bill to say that if you if you got out and you had VA disability, and I, I I'm going to be off on this 100 because I can't remember exactly how it read, but if you made too much money, so mm-hmm. there it, it was going to start working like this weird percentage thing. So you get out, let's say you're 100 percent disabled, you start working. But now you get a job, whether you create your own job or you work for someone, but you make $100,000. Well, at like $60,000, it starts to do this this switch. Mm-hmm. $60,000 or $70,000, you start to get this switch. So if you make over $60,000, well, for every – it was something stupid too. Like every two two to five thousand, two or 4000 or four to 5000 something like that, $1,000 – you start dropping like yeah. multiple percentages. The amount multiple that you, yeah. percentages. This is just like Social Security. Yeah. This is just exactly like Social like, Security. So if you got, a lot of people don't know, people who have saved well, their Social Security is taxed up to 85%. Yep. I, I got a lady that's talking about it now that she, so she's claiming she's 60, uh, she just she just quit her job. She retired. She's got a 401k, no pension, and she just filed for early Social Security at 62, so she's only getting 75% of it. They told her at seventy five at at where she's at rate wise, she's she's only allowed to make an additional twenty one thousand dollars a year. Anything over twenty one thousand, they start doing that swap. Yep, and they start taking percentages. They start taking money away at at, at money over, and it's even worse because it affects Medicare premiums. It affects a lot of different things on how the taxation works, and it's all it's all spaghetti code, man. It's, it is spaghetti code because because it, it only affects it only affects middle and lower classes. All that is yep. all that touches because when your money's big enough to not worry about, then what do you do? You don't worry about it, right? And that's what like when you got money that makes money that makes money. Yeah, you, you think that that dude's not worried about a four hundred one k or retirement plan? They've got investments or stock, whatever is is so in, ingrained in debt and whatever they're doing, like that 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 well doesn't run, you know, doesn't run dry, right? So it's it's good to go for the people that are trying to. And I'm saying like even your 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 middle like true middle and upper middle class like hey I've got good investments here like you're not getting social security I I don't plan I I'll probably never get social security and that's most people right? our age like that and, and not even attitude. the fact that that if it's gone like I don't think it, because I, I guess my thought is that like my plan is like I am not planning on social security because right. I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's an option and, and if it is then you know great but. I'll probably work or try to make money. I don't even want to work. I want to work or have something working for me as long as I can and not rely on the government. I want to give a shout out to one of the guys I work. So what I do is I talk to people about investments every single day. Uh, And I don't know anything about investments. I talk to people on the radio about it. I just ask them questions. It's up to them to have good answers. One of the guys I talk to is a guy down in Florida. His name is Jim Fox. He, He was, is a Marine. 
um, and he helps people put together plans. And uh, you can find him at financialstraighttalk.com, getfst.com, all of those things. Um, Juliet Foxtrot, Mr. Jim Fox. Yes. Oh, you like that's that? nice. I like that. That's nice. All right, Justin. Yeah, we're gonna bounce out of here in just a minute, but we gave you a little Works. time, man. Did you did you did you dig one out? <laughs> dig one out of the cellar for us, man. Ah, oh, shit. I'd send the people out with a smile. Send them, send them with something, man, just to make you like, God dang. Well, see, this is why I asked if you record this beforehand or if it goes straight out because I totally jumped onto the train of thought of what we we're talking about and. Yeah, I got it. It's this. all good, man. Look, so if you give me just a moment, I'll I'll figure something. I'll give out. you a moment. Um Martin. Yes. Are you re-upping your Braves tickets? Yep. All right. The I think they're already paid up. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you come plus or minus over the past couple of years on that? I normally I'm normally on the come up. All right. So sports tickets. Break even. Wise to come investment. Up. Uh well, you they work. were they. Uh, and let me say this: they were. They're getting to the point because of what the Braves organization's doing. Oh shit! They're getting to the point. So last year, I was allowed to sell because they they apparently they apparently said that uh, uh, I got a letter last year telling me that I was in excess in, in violation of excessive <laughs> resale, <laughs> and that I wasn't allowed to sell more than seventy percent of my tickets. Well, they never had that number written. They just wrote it out last year. Put a, they literally put like a like a three a three dot clause in this thing and and added that as seventy percent. All right, cool. Well, and and the lady told me they're probably going to adjust it. Well, this year they did, and they adjusted it. And I believe I have to go back and check. It's either sixty or sixty five percent this year. So it's already gone down even even more. Um, but on the funny side, she's like, if she's like because of she's like. Because of the high demand of your tickets, she's like, I want you to understand, like, with your tickets, like, because of the high demand of your tickets, like, you're getting a really good deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how do you figure I'm getting that? a good deal. I want to turn around and sell well, those and I, sometimes. I said, well, that's what I said. I said so how I go do, to one game how, in a series. How do you figure that I'm getting a good deal? Like, where, where's like where's that market? At? She's like, well, if you look at the secondary market and you look at the price of the tickets and the way they sell, like, you're getting a really good deal. And I was like, what are the secondary markets? And she says, well, your StubHub and your Vivid Seats and your Seat Geeks, and I was like, "So you mean the people that own the tickets that are selling the tickets to make their money? You're comparing off of that?" I was like, "How? What kind of fucking sense does that make?" I was like, "Of course I'm going to sell my tickets for more because I'm trying to pay off my tickets. Mm-hmm. So if you keep judging off what I sell, how I sell them compared to what I was like." It just makes sense. Everybody's looking for their percentage. Then at some point, like it's gonna hit a, it's gonna like hit the spot where like you're gonna charge so much for these tickets that you completely outprice everybody. Because like, if you're paying, you know, if you're paying sixteen thousand dollars for tickets that aren't necessarily worth sixteen grand, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to sell them, and then people are gonna stop buying them. And what's gonna happen? I, I said this, I said this last year, and I think it's coming. The tickets that I have at the stadium, they, I, I truly think they're gonna end up being corporate seats. Yeah. Because oh, some are. because they're going to be well, they are, and, and especially in some of the like because of where they put those and what they are, they're going to end up being corporate seats. They're going to charge twenty thousand dollars for a pair. If you want to go to a Braves game, call, <laughs> get in touch with us. Yeah, let us know <laughs> before it's too late. I look, I'm trying to get through next season because we got the All Star game. Yeah, and then we'll see what the fuck happens. All right, fair enough, Justin. That's that's I got it. you. There it is. I got you. I got Send you. it. Here's a here's a little dark one. Oh uh, yes. So 
it's it's along the lines of getting taste in the face, but a little more. So uh, we captured a guy who was outside planting IEDs because th- there wasn't there wasn't much around us. We had one MSR military service road that came out and serviced us, and they ended up shutting down the main hub. Anyway, so we caught a guy that was outside. He's planting IEDs. He had been quite a bit of a problem. The way we caught him, he uh, fucked up and he put the wrong phone when he was wiring things together. And um, he kept the command phone in his pocket and his <laughs> personal phone. I guess he wired in. However, I don't know the whole the whole shebang. But yeah, apparently at some point, wifey must have called him and reminded him to stop and grab some milk on the way home oh, or shit. something like that. And uh, he was still burying it and it detonated. Uh, he lost both of his arms and about half of his face, but he didn't die. Holy uh, shit. So we, shit. you know, explosion, they go check it out. They bring him in. He's in the ICU. And this is what I was saying about how you were saying the, the shift from speaking with troops and then going to speak with them. When there were troops that were injured, we treated them if we were the closest because we were a full-size fucking medical asset. Yeah. Um, so we had guys coming in all the time. We could possibly have injured troops in the ICU and have the assholes that injured them in the beds across from them. Now, if that particular thing would never happen if we had troops coming, we always made a point to get them far away, have their own space. But anyways, that just... There's only so much space. Yeah. We had mass cows and shit. But anyway, so they bring old boy in, and he's stumps, right, for arms. Mm-hmm. They get him stable, all that stuff. And then so finally, you know, we go in. I got to talk to him, just kind of see what's going on. He's, you know, obviously out of it, and he's livid and everything else. So I'm sitting in there. You did not expect to wake up in the arms of America. <laughs> the arms. With, with no arms. The arms, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um. Me and communists are standing there and God, talking to him. Oh, he's a great guy. Um, so we're standing there trying to talk to this guy. And I know the folks that are listening can't see. I've been talking with my hands the whole goddamn time. Just a little um, bit. He, he must have talked with his hands a lot. Even He tried, even though he didn't have them, because his little stumps were all over the fucking place. Shit. Because, <laughs> I mean, he w- when I say he was livid, this dude was mad. And uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with him, what happened, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's giving us the basic fuck you. But finally he gets to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill myself. And I, I had been trying to keep it in the whole time. I just started laughing. And because communists it would all the time, he, he would get halfway through explaining what the guy said and stop and be like, you know, this guy's a real piece of shit. Like, he's just running his mouth. He's bitching about being like, fuck him. Why are we talking to him? Like... But anyway, so he's he's telling me that this, he's like, dude, you're not gonna believe this. He's he's threatening to kill himself and everything else. And so I was like, well, ask him how he plans on doing it. He's got no arms. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You gonna hold your breath? Like, and he asked him, and that sent the guy over the edge. And I mean, those stumps were all over the place and everything. And ah, dude, I'm just I'm pissing myself. We're talking about going and getting some sporks and taping them on his stumps for him. <laughs> dude. I mean, it was it was just a whole thing. And, uh, fucking forky over here. Oh, my God. And, yeah, I hate to end it on one of those you-had-to-be-there kind of things, but Jesus. Just, like, the the sheer audacity. You're going to kill yourself. Look, those people are fucking out there. do it. How? Those people, those people exist. <laughs> and we've got to have people that are, people like you, that are willing to engage. Well, it's like, it's one of those things is that 
You never want to lose your arms, ever. <laughs> no. You don't want to lose a, an extremity ever if you, if you have an option, you know? Right. But at least here in the U.S., you got some options. Like, we have really good just, you know, robotics and and, and just, like, some of the, the prosthetic stuff that we can do is, 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 is incredible. Yeah. Over there? Like, that's why I was saying. Maybe you we lose can... arms, like, bro, you don't have arms. Like, you, right. like... That dude will like, and I don't, you know, I don't know what the hell happened to him. Neither do I. That dude will never feed himself ever again. He's never gonna wipe his ass again. He will never wipe his ass. Well, they don't wipe their yeah. ass anyway. So well. he's got, he's already. He, one benefit is that he can just pop the squat. But dude, I mean, that's like, bro, you never like, you're right? never feeding yourself. Like, we got options. Like, there's stuff even on the bottom scale of of technology here. Like, you can be on fucking Medicare, Medicaid. You're getting and some you can get, robot you, arms. you can get something. Yeah. Like you can get a little something to do. Like, and I mean, how how do you? Uh, because Buka shut down now. Uh, a couple of years after I left, they shut it down. Everybody went to wherever they were going. You know, like the prisoners, they were either released or they were sentenced and went on their way. Whatever. But that place is shut down. So he is out there somewhere. How do you rectify that? Like I made the joke that wife was calling about picking some milk up on your way home, but. Somebody did call him, and he had to have known who it was. So it's like, how do you have that conversation? You come now, home, you're disfigured, you're missing both your arms. You got a little, now, you said yeah. face, too. Like, how bad was the face? It was mainly flesh wound kind of okay, stuff. Okay. I mean, it didn't remove too much bump, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was rough. Yeah. It, mm. it was, I'd say, you know, getting close to Freddy Krueger. So wi- wifey's, wifey's probably got a new... Right. So you you come home sheep herder. You come home with stumps and your spork duct tape to your favorite one, and you know looking like half a Freddy Krueger. Wife can pull her damn. She can pull her burger off because you can't do shit about it now. Well, shit. You better start wearing one too. Yeah, you might. Yeah, like you might be in full full dress. Like you ain't stopping shit now, my dude. (laughs) Well, icing on the cake is every compound had a compound chief, the guy who got to call the shots, and they were appointed. However, they were appointed, and we worked with them. We're like, we'll let you govern yourselves how you do it, you know, within as long as you're because the chief would keep peace. And when they kept peace, we kind of try to make things more comfortable. So they would say, hey, we're, you know, uh, there's reasons for us to not just set our shit on fire every day, just maybe every other day. And um, the chief in the medical compound, because we had, Sometimes we get young kids in or we get people who are real injured and they couldn't go out into the other compounds because they would just they would become a blanket baby. So we had a medical compound we would send some of these guys to. And uh, the compound chief for the medical was a little person. He was a tiny terrorist. Oh man. And again. Now like is that that's not US military. That's over there, right? No, the the compound the chiefs were prisoners. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So, yeah, and he he was a little person. Interesting. <laughs> no. Well, no, yeah, it was interesting. Oh, but, shoot? What, oh fuck dude, everywhere, dude. When when because they had some like bit of clout, you know, because they were in a position of authority. And when you're going out and you're trying to talk to these people, or if you got somebody that's unwilling to come up and talk to you, but the chief will, you usually talk to the chief and be like, "What's what's going on with this guy? Like, what what can we honestly do?" You know, what can you do for that kind of shit? And so when you go out and it's like, all right, well, get the chief. Let's talk to your chief. And everybody's like 
huddled around this guy, and then they move out of the way, and it's a dude that's like not even three <laughs> it's feet a, tall. It's a dwarf Haji, dude. <laughs> oh, like, that's, that I writes like, its own fucking book right there, man. Uh, just, <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. The visual comedy. I'm just, just yeah, that's, that's that's a fucking Pixar film on uh, its own right there, man. Holy shit! I would I would pay to see that. Uh, Justin Trolls 3 <laughs> Coming your way man Irag edition Hey Thank you for sharing Some of your experience Any yes, other man. Any other last pieces uh, Leave off with I'm sure as soon as We sign off And I get in my car And start driving home I'll think of 40 different things But It's alright dude It's alright man You always come back You got my number Absolutely <clears throat> I appreciate y'all having me on and letting me Dude, drone on for, for a little bit. Thank you for sharing because I think you have a really unique perspective for a lot of guys who yeah, are still, absolutely. still, 20 years later, still having a lot of problems and a lot of trouble. Yeah. And the, the hope is that like just reliving and having a couple of laughs yeah, yeah. makes, that, that's makes the, the day better. That's the goal, yep. man, honestly, to get people laughing. get people. There, and there's plenty, you know, for those of you that are listening, if, if, if you know, if you are battling stuff, there's, there, are, there are options out there. Um, I know the VA is the VA, but yeah. they've got some programs kicking off. I believe there's something. I, 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 I'm, I, I'll get better details on this and push it out. I think it's called the STAR program. There's something to do with, like, like true, like, PTSD, mental health, and things like that that they're building. It's like a full invasive, like, thing where they're going. And that may be a local thing here in Atlanta, but, excuse <clears throat> me. But yeah, there's options, man. So like, reach out, talk to somebody. But like, having like, it's, it's more interesting to get the different perspective because we talk to people that you know, we talk. You know, you get to talk to grunts. You get to talk to people that live on like that that kind of wired life. So having another perspective into that and just getting, um, you know, insight on what you know, right? What's going on over there and how it's dealt with. And and like I said, dude, you know, we I laugh about it, I joke, but like, dude, a, dude, a phone card was fucking huge, man. Yeah, a five hundred minute phone card. Yes. Like that was it, fucking huge. You it, know, it, it really only got you like forty minutes after you called the the one <laughs> airbase over here. Yeah, and they put the world, you, but but still, exactly, dude. It, it, it was a world of difference because it was a long, you know. Because if, if you got lucky enough to get a sat phone, mm-hmm. which a lot of people didn't, but nope. if you got lucky enough to get a sat phone, like that was great. But if you didn't, man, them phone cards when you got a chance were awesome. So it, it's uh, literally was a, a matter of life and death yeah. at times. And so yeah, just a. Um, kind of trail on what you're saying there's a lot of stigma with talking to mental health professionals and all that kind of stuff and you know it's not all touchy-feely and tell me about your parents and all that kind of <laughs> shit it's dude if you're in a if you're in a place where you think the only way shit's going to improve is if you end it like go talk to somebody it doesn't have to be a mental health professional it doesn't it talk just somebody seriously tell just somebody. D- don't be fucking alone just call a buddy go see a neighbor go sit outside go to walmart and watch people do s- just get get some help yep you would uh, get to people right because damn near every person yourself. that i talk to that was in the place where they're like, I got nothing to live for. I, you know, like my wife left me. She took the kids. She took the money, the house, everything. Blah, blah, blah. like all your stere- stereotypical shit. That literally have nothing. The only thing that I want is just to be done. It's like, okay, I get that. If one of your Joes came to you and told you that, that's how they felt. Would you want to help them? Yes. Okay. Well, that's how everyone fucking feels about you. So if you're feeling that way. Whether it's now <clears throat> or it's right after the shit's happened, whatever, just get around somebody and talk to somebody, and that's it. You yeah, don't have really. to go into your childhood trauma and all that shit, but just be like, hey, man, come sit and have a fucking glass of bourbon with me. We don't even have to talk. 
Absolutely. Just get through the day. That's and, all you have to do. And I'll say this, not to be a therapy session, dude, reach out to us, man. Yeah. Like you got we got we got several avenues so you can get out there, but you know, if it ain't us, find somebody like get you know, don't be alone. And that's that's the big key to all of it. Don't be alone. 100%. We like to have a good time. We'll talk shit. I might bust your balls, but I hope you bust mine back. So uh <laughs> Justin again, appreciate it, man. We had a good time. Jerry, you got anything else to finish this? Uh, Pat Mahomes and the Super Bowl Chiefs plus whatever. Hey, I can't believe they're underdogs. I'll be 38 they're, on Sunday. They're, they're, Holy uh, shit. Dude, they're they're underdogs to be a fucking joke and half. We already know they're going <laughs> to win. They're already going to win. Travis Kelsey's proposing. Oh, you think that? Oh, no, okay. I don't. But that, that, I that's, that's ridiculous. That. That, oh, they're, they're out there. They're out there. Travis Kelsey's going to propose. They're, Chiefs are going to win. in a Super Bowl win. Chiefs are going to win. Oh, come back. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, Chiefs are going to win. Come back, fa- come back uh, fashion. And then he he proposes post. Uh, but no, I don't think it happens, but it would be fucking hysterical if it did. T-Swift president 2020. I, I think it's all a political oh, ploy Jesus. anyway. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's all political. Come, uh, come, you know, November 12th, you'll watch them break up. Travis so Kelsey's the first first lady with a dick. <laughs> oh, holler at him. <laughs> Now that's a tight end. That's your Amen. first lady with there a tight end. Let's yeah. write that out. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can find <laughs> us on uh, Facebook, Instagram. We got the website, thenebriedebrief.com. Um, there's some merch on there too. Come check it out. But appreciate you guys joining and listening. And uh, until next time. <laughs>